So today, we're continuing on in our sign series. And John has been building a theme. Throughout the first half of the Gospel of John, John's building this theme of, of these miraculous moments, these divine interventions through the person of Jesus. And I'm like, wow, this is this is great. We've got turning water into wine, healing the nobleman's son from a distance, healing at the pool, feeding the 5,000, walking on water, and healing of a blind man. And every single one of them is raising in intensity. It's raising in, it's raising in the tome of the book where it's like, I have a point. John is, okay, so, so I might have said this before, but it bears repeating. John's gospel is not following chronology. He's not telling the story in order. He is telling the story with priority. He's, he's sectioning off the book. If you read the Gospel of John, you're going to notice that he's sectioning off the book. The first 12 chapters are all about these signs that, God, that Jesus does. And the then 12 to 16 are Jesus' teachings. 17 is his prayer. And then from 18 on, you see the whole passion experience and the resurrection. So John, it, it's, this isn't Jesus' life. Jesus didn't do a whole bunch of signs and then explain it for a year. He didn't take two years to do signs and then explain it and then die. No, John is assembling it in order for a point. He's doing it on purpose as an author. He's saying, watch this. I'm going to prove to you something through these signs. Then you're going to listen to what this teacher teaches. Why should you listen to somebody if they don't actually have any power or authority? Why bother? Now, in our culture, that isn't, isn't our question. We'll listen to anybody. We just go on social media and just everything. We'll just listen to anybody, in whatever. It's just, oh, that sounded good. Really? I don't know. What made it good? There's no, there's no metric there. So today we're stepping into the seventh sign. The word believe, the word believe, or the, the Greek word pistis, shows up 84 times in the Gospel of John. 84 times. 84 times John says, believe. It's, it's not that he's trying to, to tell you the history. This isn't a history lesson. He's got a point. And his point is so that you will believe. John is writing to the skeptical. He's writing to the person who says, who is this Jesus? And why should I follow him? He's doing all of this so that you will believe. He's writing assuming that you know a couple things. He's, he's writing some things that you, assuming that you know some things about God. Predominantly, he's assuming that you know some of the Jewish history. He's assuming that you know that, that God has promised a Messiah to come and rescue his people. We, 
he, he's writing and assuming that, that you know that God has been faithful to his covenants in the past. And now he's saying, so that you will believe. All seven signs have the increasing effect of, of driving the reader to the conviction that you have to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The promised one, the one who has come to bring peace between God and man and to make all things right. So today's story, being the seventh, is by far the most sensational. John's escalating the stories to prove to the reader that this man, this one, is the Messiah. This one is God's chosen one. After these miracle stories, John changes gears and starts to tell us what he taught, which we're not going to study in the sermon series. We do it as a whole church. So that you will believe. Today, I pray for faith and trust and belief in Jesus. So let me pray. God, as we've been going through these seven signs, Jesus, I pray that you would move our hearts. Who else, our text said, who else could, could do these works if not sent by God, if not the Messiah? Who else would, would have the power to do such amazing things? Should we not just believe? God, I just pray that today as we engage, that you would stir our heart to belief in you, in Jesus, your son. Amen. So our Slack question. I want to get you right engaged on Slack. This is, this is a great part of our services. I love, the, I love the questions. But have you ever thought, if God had acted earlier, we would not be in this mess in the first place? You ever had that moment where, but God, if you just acted earlier... We wouldn't be in this mess in the first place. If you have a story to share, then I'm going to give you just a couple moments to type it out in Slack and, uh, and let me know what is going on here. If God had acted earlier, we would not be in the mess in the first place. Have you ever thought that? Let's read the text. John 11, 17 to 27. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Good job, Jesus. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews who'd come to, Mar to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. And anyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. This is the setup of the story. 
and you see that John's already priming us for the breakthrough. A good author primes a direction, sets up a course, and says, this is going to be the direction that we go in. He's priming us for the breakthrough, and Jesus gives a promise statement, your brother will rise again. This is how God works in our lives. He gives us a promise. Look at how, Mar- how Martha interprets the promise. Jesus says, Jesus says, your, your brother will rise again. And Martha's response is, yeah, 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 I know. On the last day. But that's not helping me right now, Jesus. I mean, think about that. How many times has that happened to you? When God gives you a promise, you're facing adversity of sometimes, and God gives you a promise, or better yet, a Christian brother or sister comes up to you and says, it's okay, it's going to work out for good, because God works all things out for good for those who love him. And we're like, yeah, 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 I know. Shut up, that's not helping right now. That's, seriously, that's what Martha's feeling right now. Her brother just died, and Jesus goes, you know he's going to rise again. And Martha's like, you inconsiderate. Because Martha doesn't know what's coming. She's got no clue. She's like, yeah, 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 I know. And we need to we recognize this. This is where we live every day. We don't know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. And so the promises of God sometimes seem far off. Sometimes they seem far off. And we go, yeah, 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 but you don't really, that doesn't really matter right now. That's irrelevant. Hmm. And Jesus says, you know he's going to rise again. Do you ever do this to God? Do you ever minimize God's promises because of the the weight of your situation? Have you done that? Do you ever just push God off and say, I know that these things are true, but the big truth seems so far off, so disconnected from my pain and my reality right now. Okay, so let's revisit our Slack question. Have you ever thought if God acted earlier, would we wouldn't be in the mess? Because that's what Martha literally said to Jesus. If you were only here earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. So, uh, yeah, someone's like, my, God's timing can be frustrating. Yeah? Had God brought me to sobriety years ago, my life would have avoided so much suffering. Right? There's a, there, there's a, a parable someone's referring to of a, of a man in the, uh, he, he's, uh, there, there was a huge hurricane and, and his town is flooded and he's on the roof looking for, looking for rescue and, this, and the water's still rising and, and, and the boat comes and he's like, no, no, God's going to rescue me and the helicopter comes, oh, no, no, God's going to rescue me and he, and, and he dies and, and he gets up to heaven, and he's like, God, why didn't you rescue me? And God's like, I sent you a boat and a helicopter, man. What the heck? Um, but yeah, sometimes have you ever, have you ever thought that, that God should be doing something? <laughs> all, of, all of this is based on the assumption that God owes us something. Martha had that assumption of Jesus. If you were only here four days ago, my brother wouldn't have died. You owed me that right now. You owed me intervention, and then it didn't come. What gives, Jesus? Adam did it to Eve. 
this woman you put me here with, this person, she made me eat of the tree, God. Right? Valerie does it to me. Valerie's like, if you had told me three days ago when you found out, I would have set the calendar to make sure that we were available. I think that was yesterday, Val. We all do it, but we do it to God as well. If God had made that person in a better mood, that fight wouldn't have happened. If God had been clearer with what he wanted me to do, I wouldn't have made that final decision. Someone on Slack just said, I asked why God didn't act earlier when I went through a rough marriage and divorce. God reminded me all of the moments he was with me. God was in it. It was not a mistake. God was still in it, working through it and teaching me because of it. Where I see narrow-sighted, he saw the big picture and the long-term, what it would be and what it would accomplish. And God is still at work. And that goes back to our Jeremiah 18 piece, where, where God's like, yeah, I can mold this into a new vessel, and I can still do good work. See, sometimes we say, if God had shown up, it turns into an accusation we make against God and redirects his promise, and Jesus digs in. When that accusation comes at Jesus, Jesus digs in and says, but Martha, do you believe? Do you believe? Martha has no idea what's going to happen. She has to let go of the outcomes and simply take the promise at face value that Jesus will make it right. You have to let go of the outcome sometimes. You sometimes just need to go, okay, God, whatever comes, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to let go of the outcome. Martha's in that situation right now. Her dead brother is stinky in the, in the grave. And she has to let go of the outcome. Yes, Lord. I believe. John wrote this story for you because there are situations where, where you faced and where you are facing that God is saying, let go of the outcome right now. Trust me. Do you believe? Do you believe me? Look, I'm, 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 I'm lingering in this point because I know many of us are regular church attenders, but we separate our Christian belief on a Sunday morning from our, from our nine-to-five, day-to-day reality. The same God that is at work on a Sunday morning that we believe in, that we come to church and remind ourselves of, is the same God that on Tuesday afternoon when crap's hitting the fan and your boss is freaking out or your customer is unhappy... The same God is in that moment. Belief is a nice word for hope one day. But that's not what Jesus is going for. Will you actually, rubber hits the road, believe right now? We need to stop separating our Christian belief from our day-to-day reality. In the planned sermon series, we talked about God's purpose for creation and humanity was to be agents of God's order on earth. So do you actually believe that Jesus is the Messiah who's come to overcome the evil and the chaos that you face Tuesday afternoon? Do you actually believe that your purpose is to be an agent of God's order on earth? Do you actually believe that God himself resides in you as the epicenter of that order? And it's supposed to spread out from you. It's going to take a fight. It's going to take some determination. It's going to take some planning. It's going to take some work. 
It's not going to just come easy. But this is what he's saying. Do you actually believe that I am at work? Martha, do you believe this? Someone wrote, yes, I know it, Lord. I do believe it, but help my unbelief, Lord. Throughout my addiction, God always put things in my path, reminding me he's there, but I was so stubborn to listen. Do you believe it? John eleven thirty eight to 40 said, Then Jesus was deeply moved again, and he came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Really, Martha? And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you believed, we're having the same conversation. If you believe in Jesus, you will see the glory of God. That's what's happening. When, when you're not at church, here's a slack question for you. When you're not at church, what hinders your belief? Be honest. What hinders your belief when you're not at church? Is it a practical reality around you? Is it lack of clarity concerning God? Is it rebellion against something God wants you to do or wants you to stop doing? Martha was still unsure of her belief. She still had no idea what Jesus is going to do. She struggles to follow through on the practical instruction, take the stone away. So her belief in her head, yeah, Jesus is Lord and Messiah, really stands in the way of the belief that's going to drive her action, take the stone away. She's still stuck in her Tuesday afternoon routine, her Tuesday afternoon separation of what I believe and what is reality around me. She's stuck here going, I can't take the stone away. It's stinky, man. That's gross. And Jesus, once again, is pushing against our intellectual belief, driving it into a physical belief, actually do something about it, people. Actually bring it into reality. Move that stone away. Did I not tell you if you believed? Then the sign happens. Someone says that one of the things that, that's, that makes them struggle with their, with their belief Monday to Friday is not seeing the changes that I'm hoping for. Or dealing with the people and their agendas. Or simply becoming forgetful about what God has done. Different worldviews hinders our belief. Narratives coming at us that don't agree with Scripture that would tend to tell us a different story, a stone standing in front of a grave. As Christians, we face times where we're unsure of our beliefs, and we face the voice of Jesus saying, didn't I tell you that if you believed? It becomes real. 
it becomes lived out. The, then the sign happens. The part that, Mar- that Martha didn't know what was going to happen. John eleven forty one to 44. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always heard me, but I said that on account of the people standing around. So they could believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out and his hands and feet bound with linen strips and face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. The dead man gets up out of the grave. Right there, the promise breaking in, foreshadowing the total resurrection that Martha claimed to believe in. Now she sees it in part. Jesus raises the dead person. The order is restored to chaos. But look at how Jesus does it. I love this. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. P.S. I know that you always hear me, but, you know, I said that for them. I'm just like, what? Like, is this really your prayer to God? Yep. He out, he out loud says, the only reason I'm doing this is for the benefit of the congregation right here. This is a symbol so that, why? So that they might believe that you sent me. The whole sign is set up so that you will believe. We take all of these lists of things that you guys have put into Slack, work, stress, lack of, lack of time to set aside, the pressures and constraints of life, bit of a cycle, you know, peer pressure, says the students in the room. We, we, we've got all of these things that come against us. We've got a stone in front of the grave. And Jesus says, take your belief and put it into action. Make what you say you believe actually change a practice on Tuesday afternoon when your customer is going sideways on you. Make what you say you believe engage in that family relational dispute that's been going on for a little bit longer than you wanted it to. Make what you say you believe take action. Oh, but it won't work. That's what we tell ourselves, right? The body's so stinky. My brother and I used to fight when we were kids. Shocking. I was so annoying. He's five years older than me. And I would intentionally pester him. It was, it was fun. And my dad, being a good man of God, would teach my brother. My brother's name is Clive. Clive, you need to just not respond by punching him in his back. You need to actually just use your words And you need to actually allow this to not become so mad to you. And my brother, I remember him freaking out at my dad. So what? I'm just supposed to let him just keep on doing it? My brother didn't believe that the the peaceful path would actually cause disengagement with me. My dad knew that. But my brother didn't believe it. So he kept on responding in what was logical to him, tit for tat. 
and I kept on having fun. If my brother had have believed my dad's advice, just let it go, I know me, it wouldn't have been fun. I would have left him alone. And that's so crazy, that sibling rivalry, if you would just believe. Do you believe? Does it live on Tuesday? Let me pray. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts so that the belief that we profess in our hearts and in our minds would have the audacity to move the stone away so that the miracle can happen. God, that the belief that we hold as a construct Yes, Jesus died for my sins, and, and, I, and when I die, I'm going to live forever with him. Sure, that's lovely. Would the belief that we hold as a construct affect how we bring order in this world when our boss isn't super impressed with our production? Would the belief that we profess bring healing into our relationships when it feels like the best thing to do would be to return in spite? Would the belief that we have create your kingdom in foreshadowed glimpses like Lazarus being raised from the dead? Would it create foreshadowed glimpses of the greatness that you are leading us towards? Will we believe, Holy Spirit, help us make it real in our life? In Jesus' name, amen.